This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. This is a cyclone weather alert. Ladies and gentlemen, radar has indicated a strong storm approaching Jack High Stadium. High winds and low visibility are expected. Panther fans in the warned area should seek immediate cover. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest Green buddy murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in To that original sin Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society. As always, I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Doing good. Excited. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, getting to be uh, a busy time of year here in the cities. The I know you guys uh, already had the state fair. Our state fair starts on Thursday, um, so certainly busy at work. There's a there's a beer festival this weekend, and then trying to ramp up and be prepared for when school starts after the holiday, because our fair runs through uh, the Labor Day weekend. Our schools don't start until after, so. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a, a busy next couple of weeks for sure, uh, but I am going to sandwich in a, a vacation in in the meantime, just a little weekend away in Santa Cruz, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. Yeah, school started here uh, this week. Stacy went back, uh, Caitlin went back to school. The, we moved the boys into their college apartment uh, on Saturday, so and starting this new job, things are going well, so we're kind of busy too. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, in the spirit of being busy, let's just go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, Chris, I'm really excited to talk to our guest, but I don't want to go. I don't want to take away your your introduction of him. So why don't you go ahead and tell us who we're going to talk to this evening? All right. Well, tonight uh, we have uh, a gentleman who uh, played football for Washington High School in Cedar Rapids. He was an offensive lineman for Iowa State University, played 49 games through 2016 and 2019, holds the record for most starts by a Cyclone of football history. Uh, Julian Good-Jones, welcome to Old Man Strength. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, I got to tell you, uh, I, what I thought we would do is, is we'd talk a little bit about your experiences at Iowa State, what brought you to Iowa State. Um, Mm-hmm. what you're doing now and then maybe we could preview the season a little bit but the first thing i need to do is i need to get this uh this uh rumor uh, that my buddies <laughs> think now do you recall in i think it was 2017 mm-hmm. my boys were at victory day yep and they were paired up with jamal richardson yep and you came and ate dinner with us at hickory park do you remember that yep 
So my buddy swear up and down that you got suspended because I gave you a free meal that night. And that's why you missed that game versus you and I, can you, <laughs> can you deny or, or. Yeah. Yeah. You don't no, have that to tell us why. Just, was, I would like yeah, for you no, to just. That was not it. It was not <laughs> my fault, it. right? Definitely got a lot of free meals over the years uh, as a, as a college athlete that, you know, kind of got swept under the rug and, you know, <laughs> appreciated every single one, but that, yeah, they definitely whenever got found out about. <laughs> I'll never forget that night, obviously, because you guys were so wonderful to the boys. It was, it was really cool that you guys came and, and had dinner and stuff, but I will never forget my buddy, Tim, not this Tim, but my other friend, Tim was with us and he kept yelling down to the, to the other table to you guys say order whatever you guys want we'll pay for whatever you want you order whatever you want and i go tim the fucking guy's an offensive lineman dude <laughs> knock it off right. i gotta pay that bill yeah no i'm always i'm always cognizant of whenever someone i'm eating on someone else's bill it's you know i can't i can't get what i really want you know, I'll, you know. <laughs> well again uh just as a personal thank you that was very nice of you to and and what was nice was the next year we went to fan fest and they were with me and you recognized them. So that was, yep. that was super cool. So hard to forget those guys, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> usually, yeah. They're more popular than anybody really. Right. So, <laughs> so why don't we start off with uh, you were, you played at Washington high in Cedar Rapids. What was your yep. recruitment like? And, uh, and how did that go? Um, so I think for me, it was kind of not as uh kind of as I wanted it to just kind of as being a kid who you know you're from Iowa and you haven't really seen much you know you're one of the best players in the state like you know you're not really too sure what's out there you know um and I'm thinking like why like I, I felt like I should be getting more attention I was happy with the attention I was getting um you know I kind of had Iowa State was on me early which I which I was happy about because I knew that I wanted to play you know power five d1 and uh, that kind of stuck with me through the whole process of you know they were just the first team, like the really first big team to give me attention, you know, um, growing up, admittedly, I did grow up an, an Iowa fan. Um, it's kind of hard not to, especially when, you know, I grew up in Cedar Rapids and I'm an offensive lineman. And that's kind of like, you know, they had a reputation of being offensive line school, but they never really showed me um, any love in the recruiting process, honestly. So that kind of uh, like left me with a chip on my shoulder. And as soon as, you know, I, I kind of went through the, I went to through the camp circuit a little bit, you know, had some, um, like K-State, uh, went to K-State, went to some of the uh, local schools. I visited Minnesota. Um, but after I kind of, you know, the dust settled and, and I was set in on Iowa State, um, that kind of like had a chip on my shoulder, you know, that, that Iowa never um, kind of gave me a chance. So, yeah. Plus, now, was that I, the Rhodes era or was that Campbell? That yeah, I was recruited by Rhodes. So, and then I redshirted my first year under Rhodes, but never played, a, never actually played in the game under Rhodes. I uh, I can't believe you turned down an opportunity to spend uh, the prime of your life in in uh, Manhattan, uh, Kansas. <laughs> uh, it really seems like that just is, is a happening town that any any 19, 20 year old kid would just love to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the same could be say, uh, said about Ames for for some. But, um, you know, for me, Ames was a special place. And, and as soon as I got there, it kind of like. Um, I just felt like a connection. It felt, it felt like home to me. You know, it was close to home. And, um, you know, my mom, I grew up with just my mom. She was a single mother, and she really wanted to support me and be close. Um, so I, I was glad I could make that happen by going, you know, to a local school. Well, yeah, and we're certainly happy that you made the, the selection that you did. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
offensive line is probably one of those more unsung areas on the field because you know you're not getting your name called you're not hearing your name over the speaker mm-hmm. usually when anyone's talking about your name it's usually not something positive that that happened right. yeah. um uh but you are someone that i think for for so long in your career was highly regarded and there was plenty of positive things to talk about what, what are some maybe some of those uh those moments that stand out for you in particular over your career Oh man. Well, I think I can't think of anything like individually that I ever did. You know, it was mostly just seeing the program change. And like, I, you know, it's crazy how, like, you know, I, like I said, I was recruited under Rhodes and, um, and I came in under Rhodes thinking, you know, he was going to be my coach. And then, you know, we get that coaching change in it and then it's Campbell. And then it's like, you meet all these, like, it's just crazy how life works, man. It's like, it, it can't like these people came into my life right when I needed them. Right. Like coach Campbell, uh, coach Manning, um, coach Jeff Myers, like all these guys who who helped me out along the way, you know, um, even Co- Coach Rashid, the D-line coach I'm close with, and all these coaches, like the whole coaching staff seemed like a family. So it, it was crazy how they took that kind of family culture that they had in their coaching staff and just like bled it into the, to the team. And, you know, to see that kind of like transformation over, you know, the four years that I was under um, Coach Campbell was was you know overall was probably the best memory I mean like and you can see from you know our first our first year under Campbell where we were struggling we were three and nine but at the end of the year we beat Texas Tech and Patrick Mahomes and company like 66 to 10 or whatever it was and then (laughs) then you know and then we were like are we good like do we have something like we suck (laughs) but like are we good and then (laughs) you know and then the next year it's like you know we're thinking okay we, we can be good this year and then we have you know the whole, you know, we have Jacob Parker quarterback and that doesn't work out. And then Kyle Kemp comes in and I'm like, oh man, like I have to be honest. Like I had like going into the game, you don't say this to anyone. Like, you know, you're going into the game, like, of course, like we're going to win. But back in my mind, I'm like, dude, we have no shot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I haven't, I hadn't even really seen Kyle Kemp play honestly before that point. Sure. You know what I mean? Like a little bit in camp, but I was running with the ones and stuff and he was running with the threes. And it was like, then they just decided to throw him in the game. And it's like, once we did, once we beat OU on the road, it was like, it kind of just took off from there, you know, and there was no looking back. Yeah. The two questions out of that first is, is from a fan's perspective, I could see some serious improvement in that first year. We were never really blown out or out or out of a game. We were always Mm -hmm. uh, within Mm -hmm. a couple touchdowns. We were competitive which I, I noticed a huge difference between that and, and, and some of the Paul Rhodes teams where yeah. it just looked like we were constantly out of gas. Mm-hmm. And then that Oklahoma game going into that, what, what point during that game though, with Kemp in the huddle, did you think, did you think this guy, this guy can, can, can lead us? I mean, was there a moment there where he didn't have that deer in the headlights look anymore and you could put some confidence into him that, that you guys were going to win? Well, the thing was, he never did. He was never, nervous like he was calm and collected going into the game and I was like I was happy about that but it was kind of like going into halftime we had uh he threw a nice ball to uh to Keem like up the seam and we were able to get a field goal out of that and I think we went into the locker room like down 11 and I was like we're in this you know and and like you were saying but but to your point like we were in games all the time and I think we kind of even through like even that 27 year 20 2018 year even 2019 my senior year was like I just felt like that was the hardest point was to get past the 
we're in it. Like, how do we finish? You know what I mean? So, and I think that's what this, this past 2020 team has just figured out how to do is like really dominate a game from start to finish. Like, I'm, yeah, they've had, they'll maybe have like one quarter, you know, last year, like one quarter where it's like, what, what's going on guys? Are we all right? And then they get back to normal cyclone football that we know now, which is dominant. And, and now I'm looking at the, you know, this upcoming year to where it's like 2021, it's like four quarters domination football. You know what I mean? Like all four quarters, every phase, all three phases. But yeah, so I feel like back to the, the question, sorry, I rambled, but like, um, you know, going into the locker room down 11, I thought was huge on the road. That was my first, you know, that was my first time playing at Norman. So um, I thought that was huge. Yeah, no, I, I recall that was when, um, you know, I, I had a, a, uh, when I, when I found out that Kemp was going to be starting and I, you know, I didn't know who the hell that was. Uh, I mm-hmm. certainly also had a, <laughs> well, this should be interesting type of, of feeling going into the game, probably, uh, in a less positive way than I just phrased it right there. Right. Um, you know, to the point where I was almost like, <sighs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid of how I'm going to feel if I even watch this thing. Like, I feel like I'm going to just be in a bad mood. And when that, when that, when he found Akeem and, you know, converted it into points before the half, because it seemed like for so many, for so many years and so many games, it was a big play right before the half only to then give up a big play mm-hmm. with even less time left in the half or whatever. Right. right. But like mm-hmm. To, to mm-hmm. finish off that half and, and be that close. That's when I started to believe. Uh, now, as a Cyclone fan, I try to never get my hopes up because there have been way too many, way too many kicks to the real groin over the yeah. years, right? Yeah. But that one, you know, I, I started to feel myself change a little bit. So, um, well, I can't well you know what? What did put some faith in me was it was a it was a Cyclone tradition to have a starter, a starting quarterback to start off the year, and he blew it. And then the backup comes in and does a lot better. Because you think of like Sam Richardson to Joel Lanning, Joel Lanning to uh, Jacob Park, then Jacob Park to Kyle Kemp, Kyle Kemp to Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? Like, but now Brock is Brock, but yeah, that was kind of like a recurring thing. We can go yeah. further back. Austin Arnod to, to, you know, Tiller to, I mean, we can keep going on and on. Yeah, and on. no, no. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So that, that, that did have that gave me a little faith like I was like okay this is the time where the next quarterback comes in and he does okay you know (laughs) and do you think I think sometimes with that situation the guy coming in is figuring I don't have anything to lose here so I'm going to play loose and I'm going to go for it and then when they get kind mm -hmm. of entrenched into a starter it's almost like they pull back a little bit and go I'm so afraid to make a mistake here I don't I don't want to take the big chance that's that's what I kind of got when it moved from, from, uh, from Richardson, when he, when he came in as a backup, he was killing it. He was slinging the ball. And then that next year, it was almost like he wasn't the same guy anymore. It's a little bit of that. And I think it's also, I think it it might be that, but I think it's more so uh, defensive preparation. Like when you have, when you're trying to prepare for a quarterback, you know, which is like the premier position in football, probably the most important position to prepare for um, on the defensive side of the ball. And you don't have film on them. It's like, especially that that first game when they come in, it's like, dude, we don't even like Brock Purdy, Oklahoma State, dude. He he was pump faking, running, juking, like, cause they had no idea what he was capable of. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, they definitely yeah. didn't watch his high school film. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't watching. And Kyle Kemp had no film. 
You know what I mean? Like they when they announced he's the starter, probably whatever it was, like Wednesday or Thursday or something in the week, what are they going to watch? Is Juco film? Like, no, they're not watching that. You know what I mean? So they don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? So yeah. what what was it like for you, uh, you know, when you were having to, to transition? Because Kyle Kemp is a very different quarterback than Jacob Park was, and Brock Purdy is a very different quarterback than Kyle Kemp mm-hmm. was, right? Mm-hmm. So what is it like for you uh, right there, key role, you now have to adjust kind of the way you're playing because of a different style, or do you feel like you just kind of went in and did your thing? Yeah, I feel like I feel like the coaches did a very good job of um, kind of adjusting the the call sheet to you know we have this quarterback in he's capable of this we're gonna play it this way you know what I mean instead like and Kyle I mean Kyle is just like you know you don't want to like I don't want to say he's Tom Brady but he's Tom Brady in my eyes to where he's gonna make the right throw he's on time he knows his progressions he and he plays within himself he's not gonna try to do anything that's you know, detrimental to the team of try to do something that he can't do. You know what I mean? He's going to make the right read. He's going to hit the right guy and he's just going to play within himself. You know, they obviously like him compared to Brock, like he's less mobile, but he gets the ball out on time. You know what I mean? He's a great quarterback. Great. I I love playing with Kyle. Yeah. He also, he always struck me as a great guy too. Seemed like, like a good, a good teammate. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Very quiet guy. Yeah. I'm sure he was very humble and, and appreciative of the chance that he got and was going to take every opportunity that he took. I mean, yeah. And and what's crazy is that after that happened, you didn't have to be humble because that was the biggest one in Cyclone history. Yeah. Literally. So and to, I guess and then to beat maybe TCU Oklahoma three State. Weeks later. To right. beat TCU three weeks later and pull it off and, then, and prove that that wasn't a fluke. Right. And then we win a bowl game against ranked Memphis at Memphis. And it's like, you know, the, you just changed the program forever and you're just still the same guy. You know, that's a testament to just him and his character for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Your stable of running backs that, that you blocked for pretty good too. You made your job fairly easy. You think? I mean, they blocking for David was like, you didn't even actually have to block anyone. <laughs> like he was just going to break six tackles. Stiff arm two dudes, hurdle somebody, juke somebody, and then it's a 15-yard gain, um, and you didn't touch anyone. You know what I mean? Like, where there were plays where we severely, severely missed blocked or just, like, ha- totally didn't even run the right play, and he he made it into a, you know, eight, 10-yard gain, just wrapped up in the backfield, 10 yards. Like, how are you doing this? I mean, David is – David is to this day – uh, you know, when I was with the Eagles and now I'm, I'm playing up here in the CFL um, to this day, the best, like he's not the best athlete. He's a great athlete, but mentally he's just so different than anyone else. He won't let anyone outwork him ever. And that's the thing that's like, even in the game, like why he won't get tackled by one guy. Like you very rarely seen one guy take down David, like the first tackler. It just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. And then you have, you know, then you have uh, Kane, who was, you know, kick return guy who, you know, (laughs) we all knew about Kane. We all knew he was always a freak. It was kind of more health stuff for him. And obviously that it was David and Brees um, by the time that he was there. And those are like tremendous, you know, Doak Walker conversation guys, like the Heisman conversation guys. Um, 
but Kane, yeah, is a physical freak, like actually. And you know, I'm so happy for him and that he was being able be able to get drafted and had had an amazing pro day and kind of put himself on the map because you know that's just sometimes how it goes how, how it shakes out is you don't get the reps. You know what I mean? Like when you have David and then you have Brees, like those are those are tremendous running backs, you know, and you just gotta he took every opportunity that he got and made the most of it and and he's in a great situation now to, you know provide for his family and, 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 you know, having a great NFL career. And then yeah. Brees, um, you guys know about Brees. I mean, Brees, I mean, Brees shocked me as much. I knew Brees was good, but you could like, I know um, you guys know uh, Jarrell Brock and mm-hmm. it was kind of like, they were the two young guys came in together and it's like, you know, which one of these guys is better at first, you know, like these two running backs are both really good. These young guys. And then it was like, Brees just popped off and did not look back. You know what I mean? Like kind of just how the trajectory of Iowa state um, football as a whole just took off one day and never looked back and was not the same. And the disrespect that, that he gets, I think still by the national media, it just blows my mind. It's ridiculous. It's almost to the point where they're doing it on purpose. I mean, I think that, I think that uh, um, as Iowa state as a whole, I mean, I know that we have the top 10 rating and everything, but it's still, it still feels like, oh, you guys are just, yeah, you guys are having your little time. Fine. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. all right. it's even like up here in the locker room, you know, we have guys who play in the Big 12. And, you know, me, I like to, I, I rep Iowa State as hard as anybody. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk my mess and I'm going to, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to bet and we're going to, we're going to put money up or whatever it is just for fun. But I'm serious about it. And when I tell people, I'm like, <laughs> I tell people, and it was crazy. When I was training, I was training out in Arizona. Um, preparing to uh, for the for the draft and, and my my rookie year in the NFL, um, I was training with all these guys like ten year vets um, in the NFL, and and I was in there talking my mess. I said Iowa State, we are the best team in the nation. I said, <laughs> which is maybe not true, maybe not true, but I said <laughs> we have some of the. I said Brock Purdy, best quarterback in the nation. Uh, Mike Rose, best linebacker in the nation. Brees Hall, best running back in the nation. Charlie Kolar, best tight end in the nation. Um, Greg Eisworth, best safety in the nation. Uh, um, Will McDonald, best pass rusher in the nation. And you cannot deny that in my eyes. Though those Everything I just said is fact in my eyes. Will McDonald is, is especially out of that group, is, is especially yeah. one that I feel like does not get, get love. I mean, man leads the nation in, in, in sex and still gets barely talked about. Like, I, I, don't, I don't... As a backup. Yeah. As yeah. a backup. He wouldn't even start. I couldn't tell you why. And I'll tell you one thing. I almost never blocked him in practice. I tried. <laughs> I could almost, I could almost one on ones. I think I won. I think I won my when he was a freshman. I won. I won uh, quite a few one on ones against him when he was a freshman. When he was like freshman, his freshman year camp. After that, not really. <laughs> not really. And yeah, he's a well, he's you, a hell you talk of a about player. David. You talk about David and Kanae and even Allen. I, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, so probably the best, the greatest night as a Chicago Bear for me, other than the Super Bowl win, was when they drafted David. I was yeah. ecstatic and happy. But And as much as I hate the Vikings and hate Green Bay, I will root to this day for Allen and for Kanae to be successful. Yeah. It's so cool. It, it's it's kind of nice to have them all in the same division. They get to play each other and see each other. Mm-hmm. But it, it's super cool as a fan to be able to watch those guys. 
Yeah, it's insane. And Alan's story is as crazy as anyone's. Um, you know, going from, you know, being a five-star recruit to dominating to somehow going undrafted. Um, I think the the jury's still out on why that happened. Um, I don't know. I think it's that, that Iowa State, you know. It must have been, right? Like losing, yeah. like whatever they think we're losers or something, I guess. I have no idea. But now they're showing love because we got a bunch of guys in the NFL now, which is rightfully so. But anyway, he had to, he had, he had to fight through that, right? And, um, you know, from Jacksonville to getting to Green Bay to fighting. Like, Alan was my roommate my uh, my sophomore year of college. So he he and I are um, pretty close, talk, for, talk from time to time. And, you know, he kind of gives me kind of sage advice sometimes just about the football world and business and all that stuff and, and fills me in on what goes on with him. But just him fighting through everything that he had to go through, like, especially as an undrafted guy, um, and you get signed to practice squad or you get, he got signed to active roster, um, at the end of the year, um, when he went to green Bay, but I'm um, kind of fighting through that. And it's like to, to become a starter in the NFL, um, from being undrafted when there's guys ahead of you who are making, you know, eight, 10, 12, $15 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be tremendous. Well, like it, the money in the NFL, the money runs it, you know? So it's, it's amazing. Well, yeah, and, and you know, to to not just be a, a starting wide receiver, but one that is uh, consistently lauded in the media by one of the best quarterbacks in the exactly. league, right? I mean, well, yeah, because that's the thing about Allen is he's gonna he's gonna do everything right. Like you're not, he's not gonna make a mistake because that's just how detail oriented he is. And you see, like, you see all the time. Like sometimes they will highlight it during the game of like he'll just make an amazing block, like. And that's the kind of stuff that he'll do as a receiver, which, you know, they always say, like, if you want the rock, you got a block or something like that. You know, I'm not a receiver guy, but they say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's about the little stuff. You know, it's about – it's not about – it is about the big catches and all that stuff, but it, it's about the little stuff first, you know, blocking and all that stuff. So, yeah. well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask uh, about Mar- uh, Mike Warren. Mike Warren, uh, to me, epitomizes – uh, ethics because anybody else would have transferred and gotten out of there and he stuck with it, even though he didn't get a lot of playing time. From your perspective, what was Mike Warren like? Mike's a great guy. I mean, I, I still talk to Mike pretty much on a daily basis. Like we put, we're in a group chat together and we play video games together all the time. Um, Mike is an amazing guy. And that's, that's the thing about the family atmosphere. Like, because he could like, he was so happy for David. You know what I mean? That he wasn't jealous or he wasn't mad. He was happy to see David doing his thing, being the, being the best running back in the country, you know, like living up to his full potential. Like you can't, when that's your brother, like literally we go to war together. We're brothers. Like if you, if you put on that Cardinal and gold, like you're my brother forever type of mentality and forget it. If you're in, if you're in the same room as I am, like that's even a closer bond. So it's like, yeah, Mike just Mike is just the epitome of like that family culture. You know what I mean? Like not turning your back on your brothers. And but at this, in the same breath, it's like that's not to say that if you did transfer that that's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no. just to say that that Mike is you know Mike stuck it out and wanted to be there with his brothers. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I mean I I think. I think one thing that we can see is is the level of talent that you got to play with and around. Uh, it's really just 
unbelievable when you think about the history of Iowa State, that yeah. your time there, um, you know, all these guys that are in the NFL, all some of the most amazing receivers we've ever seen, some of the most amazing running backs we, we've ever seen. I, Man, I, I was sad to see Kane hyperextend his, his knee right away. I'm, I'm a Vikings fan. I live in, in Minneapolis, so I'm excited to see mm-hmm. what he's going to do this year. Um, just so much talent around there. Um, and finally, for once, on both sides of the ball. I, th- right. I think, you know, Chris and I can talk about growing up, you know, how Cyclones in the 80s and the 90s, if there was talent, you know, Troy Davis had one of the best offensive lines and was obviously a legendary talent, and we couldn't stop anyone from scoring to save our lives, you know, right. back in the, in, in the mid-90s. Uh, but it's just amazing to see uh, how much talent. What do you think it is about Matt Campbell and his staff that is able to uh, cultivate that talent? I think that they just they they demand the best out of you for sure, and they want they're always talking about you know I think they make it easier because they they want you to be your best self. They're not really worried about if you're going to be the best football player. That all comes. They want you to be the best you can be in the weight room, the best you can be during you know um, off season drills and off season uh, skill acquisition, best you can be in the classroom, best you can be in the nutrition you know, all that stuff. And that all kind of cultivates, um, you know, I think, and that's a very underrated part about it is, is success in the cr- classroom and how that kind of correlates to success on the field. It's like, if you, it's like y- you ever feel disorganized in life and just kind of like a- everything's messed up. And then, and then you look at your house and it's like all cluttered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Once you can straighten out all these things and you don't have anything else to worry about except football, then it, it just kind of like, hello, obviously, you know, I can just focus on football. I'm not worried of like I'm in practice. I'm not worried about my test coming up next week. You know, that's, that's handled. I can focus on the now. And that's kind of what uh, coach Campbell had, had cultivated, um, you know, through all that's um, through everything that he did and just, um, just demanding the best out of everyone in every aspect of life and just kind of helping people become better men um, helps you to become a better football player. And obviously, you know, um, with that comes before all that becomes uh, it comes recruiting and he he brought in really good talent um, just raw talent um, and kind of guys that like no one else saw like Mike Rose I think his best offer was Ball State or something like David who, where did David have an offer from I don't even know like did he have offers I think he was like a zero star like he just has an eye for it and that's that's kind of like the Ohio pipeline too like Ohio has ballers mm-hmm. like it has ballers for sure and um, a lot of those guys end up at, at Mac schools, you know, cause there's so much like only so many guys can go to Ohio state and there's so many schools like Ohio is such a, I think nationally, it's not really known that it's a, it's a huge football state. Um, but coach Campbell knows about all pretty much all the nooks and crannies of Ohio. We have so many Ohio guys who are unreal. Yeah. And you know, Matt was someone who was known for, for having an eye for, for, uh, I mean, Kareem Hunt at Toledo. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like he had an eye for, for talent like that uh, before. So obviously uh, he's able to see something that's different than, than the stars behind someone's name. Absolutely. Uh, Right. I really appreciated the analogy you gave about 
how much better you're able to focus when you remove clutter. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's probably something I hadn't thought of before. I thought that was pretty insightful. Like if you get someone to focus so much on football and you say, you know, ignore those other aspects. Well, you can always try to ignore that, but that stuff is already going to creep up into your, your, your brain. And it's going to affect you mentally, whether you recognize it or not, whether you, you know, acknowledge, you know, I didn't have the best practice today because I was too worried about X, Y, and Z. Right. But when you take care of your house and you have all that, it's, it's easier to focus on football when you remove distractions than it is to ignore distractions. And I think that was kind of a, a, a key thing that you said there, which I, I think is, is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's probably some pretty good. It, he's getting into the, the, uh, the life advice part uh, a little bit more deeply, Chris, uh, this early <laughs> in, in the podcast already. All right. We usually don't get there until we've had a little <laughs> bit more to drink. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Matt, speaking of Matt Campbell, uh, he's got this persona of, of, you know, the, the business, like, not anything affect him and so on, but there have been a couple small moments that you've seen him where he's pretty much unleashed. I think the Matt Campbell that nobody really knows that one being in the bowl game last year Mm -hmm. or in the big 12 championship game when he went absolutely berserk on the sideline. And I will let you know, I was all for it. It was hundred percent all for it. And Mm then uh, I, I believe his speech after the Fiesta Bowl when it leaked a little bit where he, you know, basically told everybody in the world we did what they effing said we couldn't do. So without divulging any secrets, what what's Matt Campbell like behind the scenes in the locker room when the shit's getting real? What What's Matt Campbell like? Um, Coach Campbell. The thing about Coach Campbell is he just cares so much. Football is his whole life. Like it's like he's he's up at the facility like four a.m. Like he's the last one to leave. Like he's always there. Like he cares about each and every player so much. He cares about the team so much. Like that's why it's like, dude, whatever it was, what was it? Four years, sixty-five from the Lions. Like nah, I I got something. Like this is me. This is my shit right here. Like I'm holding this down. So. Just based off of that, like, you can tell the kind of guy he is. You know what I mean? Like, and and from some of the times that he flips out when, you know, it was a BS call. And you can see at other times on the other end of the spectrum when we have a big touchdown, like, if they have if they, if they they pan the camera over to him, he's the number one dude jumping up, you know, in the air, yeah. chest bumping people, like, freaking, like, dude. Because he just – he loves his players. Like, he's so passionate, you know. And that's just something, like – but and and that's the thing to him, like he's always available. Like it's not like there's some other programs. I've heard some other programs like you have to like set an appointment to talk to the head coach. Like you can just literally if it, like he's not always in there. He's out and about doing stuff or he's on a recruiting call. But if he's in there, his door is going to be open. You can just walk in and talk to him. You know, what I mean, at any time about anything. It doesn't matter. So he's just I mean, he's and that, like I said, like it was so crazy to me that. I got Coach Campbell and all those guys when exactly when I needed them in my life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody needs somebody like Coach Campbell who is going to push you to be the best person you can be um, and just kind of get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, he definitely did that with me because um, he saw something in me. You know what I mean? It wasn't always, you know, uh, um, 
lollipops and butterflies and rainbows, you know, in our relationship. Like he definitely, <laughs> he pushed me really hard and it wasn't always what I wanted, but it's what I needed. You know what I mean? So he's just a guy who cares a lot. If I could say one thing, he cares. It's evident that, that he does. You can just see it in his persona after the Texas game last year, when they asked him about that team and he was tearing up and, and almost to the point of tears because he was so proud of those guys and knew what they had accomplished in that game. And it was like his own kids. Uh, that's how proud he was, I think. Yeah, it is. Like once, once you're with Coach Campbell, like that's your – he's your guy forever. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of like – especially like doing, doing what we did you know, and turning that program around and like, to, and it's still turning around. It's still going to heights, never reached. Like that's just something that's just going to bond you forever. Well, I've seen, and I've noticed a little bit of, I, and maybe I'm fooling myself because I, I don't want to ever see him leave, but I almost feel like he has almost like a kinship a little bit with Bill Snyder. Like he almost wants to model what he's, what he's doing there after what Bill Snyder did at Kansas state stayed there uh, built a program, um, not so much because he wanted to be make a name for himself, but he wanted to leave some sort of a legacy that he could build and, and sustain a program to almost like that's what he wants to do. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. I mean, like, I can't really speak on what his end goal is. You know, I've seen, you can only tell really through his actions and turning down a lot of like, right. turning down interviews, turning down job offers, turning down all this stuff. And that's, you know, um, but even if you were to, if you were to decide, you know, tomorrow, like, I don't really want to be here anymore. Like in my eyes, he's still a legend and you can't really, you can't be mad at him. It's not a, it wouldn't be like a LeBron going to Miami Jersey burning session. Like it would be, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you would just forever be thankful that coach Campbell, you know, spent some time in Ames, but I, I, I think he's there for a while. I mean, I can't speak on it, but I personally, I think he's there for a while. You know, it, it's it's funny because we've had these these um, we've been burned before as cyclone fans. We've heard someone was firmly entrenched, uh, you know, things like that, like language like that. But when Matt Campbell says, "I'm trying to build something, not be something," yeah, uh, you know, it can come across as coach speak. But when he says it, I believe him, and and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's you know my my blind optimism, or maybe it's just because, you know, he's come across as genuine in so many other things, but uh, yeah, it, it, it just hits differently with him for sure. Well, and, and, and my thing is, I mean, from my perspective, if I were coach Campbell, it's like, well, let's think what a coach would want. Like, do you want um, support from your AD uh, and, and diehard loyalty from your AD? Cause Jamie Pollard's not going anywhere. We know that. Yeah. So they're, they're together. They're buddy, buddy. Do you want like diehard fans and support from, you know, the community? Cause you're going to get that. Like, do you want money? Like, cause you're going to get that. You know what I mean? Like there's the, the only thing that Ames doesn't have is like maybe a, a, a super destination for recruiting, but that's just like coach Campbell doesn't want those guys in my mm -hmm. opinion. Like he wants like the, like the grind them dudes, like the came from nothing. Like we're going to work this, like everybody's against this type of attitude. Like, he doesn't really want to deal with like divas or people who think they're so good or, you know, stuff like that. Like he wants like blue collar guys, you know what I mean? Like that, cause that's who he, who he is. And that's who, who his whole staff is, is blue collar guys who came up from, you know, not the best background maybe, or, you know, kind of had to work for everything they had. 
you know, stuff wasn't given to him. Cause that's, I mean, the football, nothing's given to you and you got to go earn it. No matter if it's five stars, if you're the number one team in the nation, if you're the number one recruit, like you still got to go out and work at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. we all bleed. So it doesn't really matter. Do you think those are lessons that you're applying now as, as you get into your pro career? Um, you know, I, you had shared a while back uh, after your time with the Eagles ended, you know, your lessons about getting into even more, you know, better physical shape and, and things like that. Like you, you're someone that I can see is continually like working to get better, stronger, smarter mm -hmm. uh, type of things. And it seems like, you know, a lot of that foundation uh, was was probably laid during those years at Iowa State for sure. It was, it was, and you know, Coach Campbell, like that's like, um, you know, was a was a huge father figure, like father role in my life, where he taught he taught me how to be a man and kind of like handle my business, and you know, that's something that he can instill in you, um, but you kind of have to step back and look at it yourself. And I kind of found every year, like I'm taking a bigger step, I'm taking another another step, like I'm not there yet, let's take another step, and that's kind of what he was pushing me to do just come on let's take that next step that next step every year like just and he always says one percent better every day so that's all I was trying to do and it's like but there's some things that you don't really fully understand and um for me it was like getting cut from the Eagles and then I'm home and I'm home and I'm thinking like oh yeah a team's gonna call like I'm gonna call like but let me just be ready but it's like I think that's what I needed because I to in my eyes I was always athletic I was never the weight room guy. I was never like the strong, like brawler, bruiser kind of guy. So I kind of got to go, go home, be in the lab, just develop, eat right, do this and that. And then I was, the crazy thing was I was in Ames, um, but nobody knew that. I didn't tell anybody. And I worked out at the private gym and I was just kind of like doing my own thing. I would just go there. You know, I had a job. I'll go to my job, do that, eat right. And then I pop up, I think it was pro day. Everybody, all my friends came back for pro day, like Kane and all those guys um, did pro day. And I came out and watched. And like, to me, I didn't think my body had changed that much, but like they see me and all the coaches seem to like, Julian, like you look good. Like, I was like, oh, well, I've been, I've been doing nothing. I've been just training for like, I don't know. At that point it was like six or eight months or something. Like I've been doing nothing, mm -hmm. just working out and, you know, crafting my body. And that's stuff that, you know, coach, um, you know, it's kind of like it happened in, in, in tears. It was like, first it was like, okay, let's just like get these guys to actually play football. Like that was year one. Year two was like, let's get these guys to like win a game. Year three was like, let's get these guys in the weight room, like get them strong. And then year four was like, you know, just more steps, more steps, more steps. And I think that I, you know, I was maybe, we didn't get to the nutrition aspect yet. Like we had a nutritionist, but it kind of wasn't like, fully we were still trying to focus on winning games mm -hmm. you know like how, how can we even win like that was the most important thing like day in day out like every morning and night like I know coach Campbell was like how can we just win we just need to win now it's like how can we cultivate these guys bodies to be like physical freaks you know what I mean and now you look at they have the new facility with that they have a chef they have all this stuff and it's like dude now now it's looking like you see those like YouTube tours of like Clemson's facilities Alabama's facilities. oh yeah we're on that level now you know what I mean? So I feel like I had to, the nutrition aspect. I kind of had to figure out on my own. Mm -hmm. And once I, and once I left and once I got that, then I kind of, you know, it had kind of clicked for me a little bit. And, and coach Campbell was like, I, I, I talked to coach Campbell, like um, off to the side on pro day and he kind of 
you know, just told me he was like, now I can see, you know, you're kind of, you're a year, you're a year two behind, you know, like I, I always felt like, you know, maybe I didn't reach my full potential at, at Iowa state. And it's something I felt like I kind of maybe let coach Campbell and them down, but you know, that's, that's, that happened. But he was like, now you're getting it. Like you're, you're on your way. And I could see that, you know, yeah, I could see it last year with the guys and then in the new strength and conditioning coach. And now you look at some of the off season workouts that they're doing and what the guys look like now. I mean, Brees looks like he's chiseled out of a rock. <laughs> I mean, I, it's crazy how big that guy is. And Man, I thought Jarrell, I thought Jarrell Brock was big last year, and he looks just as big, if not bigger. Yep. I mean, Julian, I'm going to take a break here. Uh, somebody wants to say hi. Hello. What's so going Joshua. on, man? How you doing? Good. Graduate. I going to college in like three days. That's crazy, man. I thought, man, that seems like just yesterday, man, that you guys were running around and saying curse words and stuff, and had me cracking up. Still do it. (laughs) I bet you do. Things never change in my world. Oh, yeah. Well, he was excited you were coming on. He wanted to come down and say hi. Awesome, man. Awesome. Good luck at school, man. Yep. Good luck to you, too. Thank you. I'll tell Jordan you said hi. Awesome. <laughs> Which means probably in about five minutes, Jordan will be down. So. <laughs> right. uh, well, yeah. let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your your time in, in the Eagles camp. How, how how did that work for you and what what happened with that? Yeah, it was – I feel like it was a strange time, man, because I was in COVID year, right? So – um, we kind of didn't have, it, it was an extended, it was delayed, right? So we pushed back rookie minicamp, pushed back OTAs, and it all got pushed back and all kind of condensed into one thing. Um, so I was there for maybe like two months almost. Um, and we, we kind of did all the rookie stuff at once. And, and But I feel like the NFL and the NFLPA did a really good job with the COVID protocols, um, kind of like easing people back into it because they, they used um, their past experience of like a lockout year. Mm-hmm. to where, you know, things were delayed. And um, in, in those years, they had so- seen a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, so they wanted to avoid that with with not doing rookie minicamp, not doing OTA. So there was a kind of ramp-up period, uh, they called it, and where we were, you know, doing some light strength and conditioning, uh, light walk-through, jog-through stuff on the field, uh, maybe a little bit of individual, just like ramping up. And I thought they did a really good job of handling that. Um but, you know, it was a lot of a, a long grind for the rookies because we were there like at least a three or three weeks or a month longer than than the vets, um, except the quarterbacks came in, I think, like maybe a week after we were there. But uh, it was just crazy, man, because it wasn't it wasn't normal. We didn't have joint practices, didn't have scouts at our practices um, from other from other teams. We didn't have a preseason. Um so it was just us. It was compete every day, you know, and that's kind of uh, can be a, can be a huge grind when you're competing against, um, you know, the same guys every day. And um, you're kind of you're stuck in that COVID bubble, you know, it can kind of uh, be a little crazy. But I thought I'd, I thought I played well, but obviously not well enough to uh, be kept on the team. But, um, you know, that's just how some things go. You know, it's the NFL. You know, it's the best players in the world. Um, and some I got to be against some really talented guys like Fletcher Cox. I got to go against uh, numerous times. Um, you know, I got to see, I was playing uh garden center, so I was more on the inside, you know, um, but there was a guy, Hassan Ridgeway and he was, 
Um, not a guy that a lot of people would probably know, but I thought one of the best players I'd ever seen in my life. Um, he was insane. Um, Brandon Graham was a guy who I didn't go against, but saw and um, developing relationships with some of those uh, guys in the O-line and kind of just learning from, you know, Jason Kelsey, um, Jason Peters, uh, uh, Isaac Samalo, um, Lane Johnson, like just, just, man, I would be in their ear every day, you know, asking them questions, um, asking them questions. They give me answers. And I'm, and one, once they start talking, that's when you shut up, you know what I mean? Cause Jason Kelsey, um, is a guy who's, who's meant, who's football IQ forget. First of all, I thought I was fast. We were running like sprints and he like beat me by 20 yards every time. Like he's so fast and he's so strong, but besides <laughs> like, besides that aspect, his football IQ was off the charts. Like he could, if he wanted to Jeff Stoutland to the, the online coach, there is an absolute genius. He's um, I haven't, you know, that was the only NFL experience I had, but I know that he's the best, O-line coach in the NFL, um, hands down, just by the way that he teaches things. Um, but if but if Jeff Stoutland was like, you know, I'm going to take this season off, um, Jason Kelsey could could develop the uh, the the game plan, like the run game and the uh, pass protection. He, he could do it by himself because he's just that um, gifted mentally and and cares that much about his, his craft. Another uh, another Ohio. Uh guy yep. as well right right and what's what's go ahead no i was gonna say you just mentioned you know guys that you know didn't go to ohio state but still you know a lot of great you know he went to uh cincinnati right yep since um, yep yeah right but it, you know it's it's just one more kind of piece of that you know they must be teaching the right things in in high school there because a lot of the guys that come out of there just seem to have such a just a uh a mind for the game. Yeah. The, from what I understand the the high school football, there is just as you know, how people hype up Texas high school football. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in Ohio. Like the way that um, I know that Kyle Kemp, Kyle Kemp, and I think uh, coach Myers are both from the same hometown Maslin. Mm-hmm. When you're born, they like put you in a bassinet with like a football or like a, like a little, <laughs> I, I swear to God, that's what they told me. Like they put a little like plush football uh, next to you when you're born, like uh, if you're a boy. So, uh, it's serious. So, yeah. And what's, what was also really shocking to me was like the, like the best guys on the, on the O-line, um, like Jason Kelsey, uh, Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, like all didn't have O-line backgrounds. Like Jason, what Jason Kelsey was like a fullback tight end at Cincy and Jason Peters uh, was a, was a tight end and started, I think he was on practice squad with the bills his first two years as a tight end and then transition to, you know, so, but it's crazy. Like you kind of have to do that for these, these edge rushers in the NFL, right? Cause you have dudes like Chase Young and like Montez Sweat and all these guys who run four fours. Like <laughs> you can't have like a bunch of big fat dudes out there trying to block those guys. Cause it's not going to work. You like these NFL dudes are, are ripped. Like Lane Johnson, he, he has a six pack. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like he's, so, he's super cut up. He's a freak. Like, I saw Jason Peters got signed by the Bears, and the first few pictures of him, he looks like a mountain out there. That guy is gigantic. Well, we were doing, like, a bull rush drill one time, and I was paired up with him. And I tried to, like, you give them a jolt, and they hop back and, like, replace their like their feet in their hands and, like, anchor it. I couldn't move him. <laughs> like, I could not actually move him for him to even do the drill. Like, a coach got pissed at me. He was like, are you even trying? I was like, yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> this guy is an all-pro player. I don't know what you want me to say. Well, the five minutes didn't wasn't exactly five minutes because Jordan is now here. Yeah, because you know Josh can't do anything that you know, Jordan isn't. Joshua isn't allowed to do anything that Jordan can't do. Right. What's going on, man? Hi. Good to see you, man. I'm I'm glad to hear that you and uh, your brother are off to college, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Oh yeah, where are you guys actually? Where are you guys going? We're going to DMAC, and I'm excited because I'm gonna go to parties and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, big time. You're home on the weekends. I don't know what parties you're going to. <laughs> Ones that people invite me to. You can't stop me because you're not gonna be there. Mom, mom said so. Oh yeah. Mom's rules. You're gonna have to argue with her, not me. Okay, because I'm sure your mom's on board with you going to party. Oh, mom told me she's like, once you're in college, you don't have to listen to Chris again. Like, yeah, yeah, because they listen to me now. No, never actually. We don't ever listen to you. You want to tell them goodbye? Goodbye. Bye, man. Good luck with college. I will try. <laughs> So I, I want to ask one more question about the Eagles. Um, you were there when Hakeem was there, right? Hakeem's still there and part of the organization or not? I actually wasn't. So Hakeem was with the uh, was with the Cardinals uh, during that training camp, and then then he went to the Eagles after he was let go from the Cardinals. He was he got picked up by the Eagles, and that was after I got cut. That's, so we that's just missed each that, other. That's one guy that I'm baffled has not gotten a better opportunity with the talent that he had. No, yeah, it's a uh, no, dude. It's it's crazy. Um, Hakeem's one of my best friends in the world, and we talk on a daily basis as well. Um, yeah, it's crazy, and that's just kind of the you know the business aspect of the NFL. There's a lot of guys, man. There's a lot of guys. I don't know with Hakeem level talent, but there's a lot of guys with with elite level talent who are at home, like not even you know Hakeem's at least floating around, and and he's gonna stick around. He's gonna get a shot, um, and a really good opportunity because, um. Man, he he is. That's why I said David isn't isn't the most um, like God given talent I've ever seen because it's Keem because he's an absolute monster. I mean, I've never seen anyone like him. Um, he'll 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 find a home and he'll be really successful. He'll have a long NFL career because he's just too talented, way too that, talented. That uh, that Kansas game where he just tossed that guy aside like it was nothing. Uh, that like. I always knew he was kind of a just an athletic freak, but that play where he just tossed that guy aside like he was a little kid, uh, I think that's when I finally was like, "Oh no, he's a next level type of athletic freak." Yeah, like he's he's so strong, and that's that's the thing about um, uh, Keen too is uh, a lot of people don't notice is you can put you can cut on the tape and like on the backside of plays, like he's knocking corners out, he's knocking safeties on their ass, like. He's he's always done that, you know, and run plays or whatever it is, screen play, blocking for someone else. Um, he's he's an absolute freak in, in every sense of the word. Um, and he's just a guy just like Allen, like he's going to give it his all all the time because that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, so, yeah, he's going to he's going to get a shot here. And uh, just like just like Iowa State um, football as a whole, like he's not going to look back once he gets that opportunity. You know, it's just kind of. Like I said, with with Al, what Allen did, um, it's kind of like that's like one in a million. You know what I mean? To to work your way up through that, because no matter like you can do everything right, and it's just 
like, sorry, this guy's getting paid $10 million. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. So Julian, I want to transition a little bit, start talking about uh, this upcoming Iowa state season, because now that you uh, have, have moved on your professional, you get to kind of go back and you, you watch these guys as a fan more than yep. anything, but you have, you're a fan that has a lot of uh, knowledge that your average fan certainly doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, there's never been a, a, a more heavily hyped Iowa State team uh, than this 2021 team. Uh, yep. You know, it, I, I, I had talked before about, you know, as an Iowa State fan, I've always learned to, to, to temper my optimism, but I got to say it's pretty hard to do that this year. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a team that, you know, uh, beat OU last year, fell short in the Big 12 championship just barely, and then um, thoroughly manhandled a really good Oregon team in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, even though people want to say whatever they want about the shortened Pac-12 season, whatever. Like, that's a good – they have great players at year in, year out. Anyway, um, and you have pretty much everyone coming back. Like, I don't know if people realize what a year of development does in college football. Like, every year I felt myself being like, like, oh, my God. Like, this is so much easier every single year. Um, mm-hmm. So, to have a bunch of fifth- and sixth-year guys out there who we play together, we have the same team as last year. Like um, the only thing that I could see being an issue is um, um, is succumbing to that hype, you know, and that's kind of something that, that we have done in the past, but I think we're past that um, as, as Coach Campbell's um, kind of culture and development has, you know, progresses every single year. I think we're past that. Just like we passed the, the fact of not being able to finish games, um, you know, and all that stuff. Like I think we're past succumbing to the hype because we didn't last year. You know, we stayed the course. Um, you know, we had some we had some close games. We didn't win every game. I mean, it's hard to do that, but um, you know, we we were we were faced with adversity. And we were faced with hype last year, and we and we we held up. So um, I think this year the sky's the limit. I mean, I'm telling everybody playoffs like we're going, but that's just me. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Expectations for the offensive line this year. What do you what, what do you expect from them? They, all of those guys are coming back. Sean Foster, to your point, I think this is his fifth or sixth year. I mean, he's he's been in the program for quite a while. Colin mm-hmm. Newell, what uh, what's your expectations for the offensive line? I mean, we're deep. Like we have players um, who can play, and that's so important. I feel like that's something that we lacked on years past. It's kind of like we had our five. And maybe a sixth, you know, if someone went down and, and we had guys who went down um, and, and we subbed in, you know, namely like Colin Olson stepped up. But like, I mean, to his credit, like he 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 was a baller. He did it all. But like, dude, it's like six one. You know what I mean? Like we kind of just plugged plug and played and had to, had to kind of do. But now we have options. You know, we have depth and we have guys who have experience and another year of development. Um, and these guys are big, man. Like we weren't really big. Like we had we were big. These guys are like huge. You know what I mean? They've been eating. They've been in the weight room. Um, to me, it's these these guys are looking to be Joe Moore Award, Award finalists. Um, you know, they were in that conversation last year. They did, I think they were semifinalists, didn't make the final list. I think the finals just top three. But um, these guys have it all um, laid out in front of them, this experienced group. And that's something that, you know, maybe my senior year we were pretty experienced. Um, but kind of – Kind of until my senior year, I felt like we were kind of looked at as the group that's going to, like, fuck it up. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like, oh, quarterback's good, running back's good, receiver's good, ah, but the O-line, you know, tight end's good, uh, O-line. So, but this year it's like, we got the O-line, you know what I mean? Like, we got these guys. So, um, they're definitely going to pave the way um, for a lot of these guys. But we have experience across the board, you know what I mean? So, it's not like they kind of have to um, shoulder the team and have the pressure of, like, being the most experienced group because we have experienced receivers, quarterback, running back, tight ends, everyone. So, um I just feel like that. I feel like that's going to shine through more than anything. With uh, with your season going on up there in in Canada, are you going to be able to make it back for for any games, or is that pretty much going to be next to impossible? Maybe Big Twelve Championship. Um, I, I think our season will be done by then. Um, uh, I guess I don't know the date of it, and I'm not really. I'm kind of taking things week by week. I don't really look ahead too much, but I'm thinking that Big Twelve Championship. I uh, think should be wrapped up, and I'll be able to go. Uh, it's kind of like. Um, not really trying to leave the country right now with, you know, everything going on with, you know, I'm vaccinated and everything, but you just never know how uh, sure. things might shake out, um, you know, trying to come back into the country when we have a bye week or something on short notice, like don't really want to mess with that. So definitely we'll be watching on TV every single game for sure. Won't miss one. Well, so I want to ask about uh, name, image and likeness and name, image and likeness happens three years ago. What's what's Julian Good Jones selling or 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 having a commercial for? What what's right up your alley that that we would have missed out on and didn't have the pleasure to see? Oh God, that's that's one thing about me is um, you know, I'm really happy that these guys uh are are having this. And um I'm not I'm not that mad that I didn't have it because um even just you know in college, like two years ago, I was terrible with money. So any money I got, I would have instantly like probably just like bought a bunch of Domino's pizza or something. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. You could have been a Domino's pitch man. Well, what do you yeah, know? Maybe Julian something like and I that. were just alike in college because that's what I used to do. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, I maybe would have, you know, I would have tried to get anything I could, man. I would have been, hung, but, you know, um, I'm glad for these guys being able to make, make a little extra money on top. Like, dude, you know, because now we have, you know, maybe, you know, my freshman year, Alan would have got like a car dealership commercial or something or Joel, you know, <laughs> but like they would have probably got 200 bucks, you know, like nobody really would have cared. But now we have guys who can, you know, make a significant amount of money and kind of get a head start on, you know, their finances and, and be smart and start saving. Maybe open, you know, a mutual fund or something or put some money away and just have that have that in their back pocket. So I think that's awesome, man, because um, it is rough, man. I know we get. Uh, we get cost of attendance stuff, but it's like, dude, after you're buying like rent and groceries, it's like, okay, like I don't really have any money to do much else. You know what I mean? Especially like getting good food in the house is expensive, man. Like organic stuff is not cheap, you know? So it's good that these guys can capitalize off something and just, man, I mean, whatever, dude, like if you want to spend your money on, I don't even care, you know, but they, they deserve to have that money of off of the work they put in. So I'm, I'm really happy for, for the NCAA for doing that. The other elephant in the room that we probably need to ask you about is is Texas and Oklahoma bailing on the Big Twelve and, and whether where that leaves the rest of the the rest of us. It's it's pretty hard to to be on Twitter and 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 listen to the doom and gloom of the fact that nobody thinks Iowa State brings any value to anybody. I, I don't know how we couldn't be in a better position with the facilities that we have now, the coach that we have, the culture that we have the attendance, 
everything we have, we're in so much better position now than when we were in 2010 when this was a problem. Right. But it's hard for me to, to wrap my head around that we're not valuable somewhere. I mean, that's just that's just fucking like Twitter idiots, like just saying anything, right? <laughs> like it's just like the fucking dumbass like Hawkeye troll fans who are like, nobody wants you, like you guys don't da 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 da. Like, dude, we literally travel better than any team in the nation, literally. Like our bowl game didn't didn't Memphis run out of fucking beer? Like yeah, when they, we were yeah, in the they ran out of like, like, lights. Yeah, like okay, like are you guys serious? We have the best fans in the nation. Like we've we we sell so many tickets. Like we travel so well. I don't understand how you know a conference. It, like uh, I guess I I'm not too familiar with like our viewing uh like our views on a on a TV you know level, but I'm sure they're massive. You know so. Yeah, because we have, like, what are we, got to be top 10 in attendance um, on a year-to-year -year basis just for for regular students at our school. So that means alum everywhere. You know, it's like, I can't even, I can't even go anywhere wearing an Iowa State shirt without somebody saying something that they have some connection to Iowa State. Like people, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Cyclones are all over and we're, we have, I know we have um, viewership. So I don't, I don't know how we don't have value. We probably like you said, are in the best position of any Big 12 school to do that, besides Texas and OU, obviously, who are already leaving. Well, you, you say that we travel. Wait wait until we descend into Vegas. 30,000 exactly. Iowa State fans in Vegas. Exactly. Like, dude, don't – first of all, don't let us play somewhere actually warm. Like and nice, like we're gonna we're gonna fuck that place up. Like, yeah, I when when we first got the Insight Bowl uh, in Phoenix, and Phoenix was just completely covered in cardinal and gold because yeah. one, I mean, there's already a, a large contingent of Iowa State alumni in Phoenix, but that mm -hmm. was people begging to go see a warm yeah. game. I I'm not gonna be able to make it to Vegas this year. Uh, and I'm probably a little bit happy about that because I'm kind of afraid of what I would do. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's probably oh, yeah. it's probably better for for uh, me and my health and my I'll document it all for you, Tim. My incarceration <laughs> status to not be there, but <laughs> yeah, like, I'll document yeah, all my moves for you. Okay, Once I'm in like a festive mood and I'm around my friends and I'm drinking, like there's no amount of money that I won't spend. Like I would probably. It, I probably would not be able to recover financially if I went to that game, <laughs> honestly. Especially in Vegas, like, and I like to gamble too. It's like, nah, no, I'm good. Yeah, no, it, it should be good. You know, I, I think, I think this year, uh, the hype couldn't be higher. But now with that news, the stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think for, you know, for the team, um. That's definitely not something that they'll be thinking about. I mean, but um, yeah, I just don't see, I just don't see a world where we don't land in another power five conference. Like how does the big, how, how does it not fit in the big 10? Like, how does that not fit? Well, I think this, that it's a perfect fit. You know, this whole Alliance thing that the PAC 12 and the big 10, like, I still don't think I understand it. Chris, have you gotten your head wrapped around what exactly they agreed to? It, 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 it's a paper agreement of they are going to in the future do something. I mean, it's a big nothing burger is what it was. It was, it was a, a press conference to make everybody feel good that they were at least talking about things. Well, so, talking about what though? I'm, I'm out of the loop. 
That, that's that that was kind of the joke is that they don't they, they didn't announce anything that they, they, oh. they don't have any concrete plans or whatever now i i preface this by saying i absolutely hate dave wanstead with a passion for what he did to the chicago bears however <laughs> he did say on chicago's radio station yesterday that in fox meetings they were told that it's pretty much a done deal that ku and iowa state's going to the big 10 Kansas State and Oklahoma State's going to the Pac-12, and the remaining Texas schools are left out. Now, that's from a Fox network meeting. I don't know what's coming down the pike. Uh, if that's true, I will give Dave Wanstead a big fat kiss right on the mouth. Well, when cool. I think and of the Pacific Ocean, I think of Kansas State. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Manhattan, Kansas, and it's palm trees. But you but you have to think of like you have to think of what these teams have to offer, right? Like, yeah, it makes sense. A Baylor and a TCU have nothing to offer. They're mediocre pretty much year in year. I mean, Baylor has basketball um some years, but football and basketball, they're kind of like usually whatever. Like, yeah, they've had I guess in the past couple of years they have been really good at basketball, but historically not really. And and the fan bases are are, are mediocre you know what I mean because there's so much to compete with there's you know people in Texas don't really care like they have the Longhorns they have Texas A&M they have you know all the pro sports but and KU KU of course is going to get picked up somewhere they have they're one of the most elite basketball teams in history and, right. until the until the hammer comes down that's right. never happened. <laughs> but yeah but no I mean that's a good point like Baylor and TCU are, are both small schools too right so it's not like they have yeah. this large alumni you talk about wearing uh, an Iowa State shirt and you know I, it doesn't matter where I go I, I wore an Iowa State shirt in, in Southern California and someone talked to me about about yep. Iowa State like anywhere you go you see that saw some guy they don't have the alumni down. groups at, at TCU and, and Baylor so yeah I don't I don't know what they're going to bring. And, and, you know, some of the schools I feel a little bit, a little bit bad about, and some of them, you know, whatever, but um, yeah, again, I, I have a hard time thinking that we're not going to end up somewhere, especially, you know, if a program on the rise like this, how, do, how does any smart conference commissioner not want to capitalize on that? Yeah. It's like, Oh, big 10, like, what was it like six years ago or whatever? Like you took Rutgers in. But then, like, Iowa State, no. Like, Rutgers? Okay. Right. You know, but, yeah, those – and I will say, aside from playing at Kansas, um, where they're just got off of the football every year, um, Baylor, Baylor and TCU crowds were always the worst. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't have – they don't have the, the, the attendance, like you said, small private schools, and they just don't have fans. Like, it's just – it, it, it always sucked to play there because it was always hot and there was nobody there. So it was like kind of like what, whatever, like what are we doing here? Yeah, well, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, Chris, thanks for that insight on that. On that, I, I didn't have time to really read what, what was said, but that was kind of the gist I got is basically that they are agreeing to talk about things it really didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense to me, but it'll be curious to me, I guess. I think just what college football looks like in general, you know, we got used to using the term power five. That wasn't a, that wasn't a term that Chris and I grew up with. Power five wasn't a thing we, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, are we going to end up in this, you know, three to four mega conference framework 
I mean, why not? In my eyes, I mean, like these teams in the big in the Big Ten don't even play each other anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is except for a um, a, a conglomerate of teams to to be on the Big Ten network. I, I think is the only point of a conference now. I mean, I'm not really sure what what the deal is, but if we had four, then I mean, that's I don't know. Did they actually? I know there's talks of expanding the playoffs. Is that a real thing or no? They're not expanding the playoffs this year. Uh, not this keep, year. Yeah, they, they still keep on talking about it, and then it keeps on getting shot down. But who knows? But if it's but if it's four conferences, I mean, then that's perfect. Then just conference championships gets champions get slotted in, and then all right. Yeah. No, but like like I'm you said, you know, the Big Ten they're not playing. You know, when whenever Iowa fans, uh, you know, mention, hey, why would Iowa State come into the Big Ten? I'm like, hey, we can also go and not play Ohio State. Like, right, right. <laughs> right. We can play uh, Illinois every year. Like that's fine. Indiana. I would. Right. I would love personally. I would Nebraska. love an Iowa State Minnesota regular matchup. Um, well, I think we're not allowed to play each other because of Jack Trice. Well, they haven't played since. Well, they they, they played, played in the, in the bowl, bowl game. game. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I thought and it was like it's kind of taboo to talk about. It is. It is. Uh, we did also play, I want to say it was like 96 or 97. We did play up here in the Metrodome and the big inflatable. Um, but uh, I remember that. Yeah. That was uh, McCarney's second year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah that would have been 97, 96? 97. Nin- yeah. So yeah. But anyway, uh, no, I, I'd, I'd certainly like to see that, that kind of get renewed and, and then, you know, you're right. It's a little bit taboo, but it, you know, we had, we had George Trice on and talking about the, the, his legacy foundation. I would be a, a cool thing to kind of get that national conversation going again as well. So I think that for would be sure. Fun. Julian, yeah, where I can, think- uh, where can Cyclone fans watch you uh, in Calgary? Um, Like you mean on TV? Yep. Um, I think all our games are are through ESPN because I think well there's up here it's TSN but I think TSN was bought out by ESPN maybe a few years ago so now they're all on either ESPN two or like you can watch online through the app and some of the games are on ESPN plus so there's that paywall uh, to get through but but I think most of them are are you can watch them if you have like watch ESPN app or whatever on you know your your smart TV or your phone or whatever. Sweet. So yeah, Great. yep. We have a game. Uh, we play Winnipeg on Sunday. Good deal. Yep. Well, I try to wrap up uh, with a question. Uh, we, uh, Tim and I, have this crazy notion that we think that we can help teach some lessons, and <laughs> we're just a couple dads just trying to to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. So we like to we like to ask a question. Uh, what is your definition of success? And based off of that definition, who is the most successful person that you know? Wow. I mean, okay, you maybe should have sent me this beforehand so I could have time <laughs> to think about again, it. Again, Julian, that's the whole point is it's much better if you don't get to think about it. <laughs> right. I think success varies from person to person. You know, it's uh, probably based on individual goals. Um, you know, you can't just necessarily say like, I mean, what is a, 
Elon Musk, is he successful in the eyes of a minimalist? Probably not. I mean, they probably don't even care about what, you know, if he is so rich and has all these things. And I mean, you know, so it's probably based off of your personal ideologies and what, and what you want to do in this life. I mean, you know, there's so many different paths to go down. And I think um, at the, at the root of it all is probably happiness. So if you can, if you can look, you know, yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and tell yourself that you're happy and, and you like where you're at and at least, at least like the path that you're going on. Um, Cause you know, there's always going to be another goal. There's always going to be something else that you want to achieve. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that in my eyes, I can never say that, you know, I, I made it or I did this or I'm, you know, cause even, even my career when, you know, like at the beginning of the show, you introduced me as, you know, most career starts in Iowa state history. Um, that was awesome for me, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's it. It's going to sound like maybe a little um, cocky or not too humble to say, but it wasn't enough for me. You know what I mean? Like there's more down the line that I need to achieve um, personally. Um, but so, so I would say it's up to, to each individual person. And, and if you're on, if you're on track uh, with your goals and what you want to achieve in this life. So um, the most successful person I know, hmm, I mean, like it, with my definition of it being, you know, um, with, with it being up to your own, decided by your own personal goals, I definitely can't say, you know, David Montgomery, because I know he's the hungriest dude I, I know. So he's not satisfied. So by my definition, I guess not him, I guess. And, and by that definition, it can't be Coach Campbell either, because I know there's still stuff he wants to do. So um, I, I couldn't even tell you who the most successful person I know is. Maybe my mom. She seems pretty content. She she's just proud of her son. Say, it seems like she, she did uh, a fantastic job uh, raising you. So I, I think she can certainly sit back and pat herself on the, on the back on that one for sure. Well, she Absolutely. would appreciate you saying that. I certainly admire you. For, Thank you guys for the so much honor that, for, for what you've brought to the program, what you personally have done for my boys. Um, kudos to you. I'm proud of you. Appreciate it. Well, uh, Julian, is there anything else you want to say? Any social media, anything you want to plug, anything you want to talk about? Um, kind of the floor is yours. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug, man. Just uh, go Cyclones and uh, watch out for us in the playoffs. That's it. I like it. I uh, appreciate where your head is at. It, I can't even imagine how obnoxious I'm going to be when we're in the playoffs because I, I can tell you it's going to be pretty bad. I can't yep. tell you how obnoxious I'm going to be when we beat the hell out of Iowa. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait for that either. <laughs> Cannot wait to shut those people up. Oh, yeah. Uh, before we go, I want to give a shout out uh, to uh, a previous guest, George Trice. He, his uh, golf tournament for the Jack Trice Legacy Foundation is coming up the day before the Iowa game, September 10th. So uh, any listeners out there, if you want to contribute, the best way to do would be to go to uh, johnjacktrice.org, click on events, and go ahead and go to that register link and register a golf team to go play golf. And all the money goes to the Jack Trice Legacy Foundation. So it's a good cause. Excellent. Well, you guys have spent another hour listening to us. So I, you know, really, I 
you're lucky you got to listen to Julian and it wasn't so much uh, Chris and I this time, which is great. Uh, so maybe this time you did actually learn a thing or two, but we're very excited that you joined us on Old Man Strength. Please go ahead and check us out at the Tailgate Society. Please check out everything at thetailgatesociety.com. Uh, got some fun projects in the works. We spent a lot of time on Slack uh, brainstorming some ideas. I think there's some really exciting things that you guys are going to enjoy. So once again, that's the tailgatesociety.com. Please check us out there. You can find us on Twitter at strength underscore old, uh, where, you know, I'm not even going to give out our Twitter handles this time so that, that our listeners don't have to listen to Chris and I make fun of each other back and forth relentlessly in the middle of the day. <laughs> um, no one needs to hear that, but they, they can go ahead and, and provide feedback. Let us know what they want to hear, um, how one-sided we are, any of those things they want to, uh, uh, one-sided, yeah. one-sided about Jack Trice. <laughs> anyway, Julian, uh, some guy claimed that we were one-sided when we discussed Jack Trice and didn't give both sides. I'm not quite sure how you give both sides. Yeah, no, there's one, there is one side. There's one know. side. Yeah, exactly. That guy's a douchebag. So uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much, Julian. This has been fantastic. Uh, we look forward to to checking you out uh, in your CFL career. I'll, I'll make sure to to uh, catch a game whenever I can. Hopefully, um, we do get some time here in the post COVID uh after times where we're able to see you back at a game i think that would be fantastic so thank you very much thank you very much chris thank you very much listeners and we will see you guys next time i don't want to get on the bandwagon i'll burn that wagon down and join the band traveling troubadour terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin.